This is the third podcast dealing with the Myanmar chapter in my book, A Short History of Southeast Asia. And I'm continuing at the section dealing with Japanese occupation. The Japanese occupation was welcomed by many Burmese, including, of course, the 30 comrades. The attraction of Japan in the 1930s was shared by most Southeast Asian nationalists. Not only did the Japanese decisively end European colonisation, but their slogans of Asia for Asians and building a co-prosperity sphere were seductive. The destruction of white rule was itself a major fillip to Southeast Asian nationalists. The introduction of military training, the promotion of locals to administrative positions far higher than they could achieve under colonial rule, and the promotion of indigenous languages all contributed to a growing self-confidence among nationalists throughout the region. The realities of the Japanese exercise of power were far different from the promises held out by the propaganda, however. Southeast Asians quickly found Japanese rule to be no less exploitive and far more brutal than that of their former European colonial masters. In 1944, Aung San and fellow members of the 30 Comrades group established the Anti-Fascist People's Freedom League, which opposed the Japanese and worked to develop a vision of an independent Myanmar. The activities of the Anti-Fascist People's Freedom League against the Japanese made its leader Aung San a Burmese hero and ensured that at the end of the war Britain would have to negotiate with the League. In May 1945, just two weeks after Yangon had been recaptured, Britain announced plans for post-war Myanmar. Its stated intention was to move Myanmar towards full self-government within the British Commonwealth, but in the meantime to suspend the political reforms of the 30s and rule directly in order to reconstruct the economy. The plan had no timetable for independence. Britain's position was unrealistic. It took no account of the political and psychological impact of the Japanese occupation of Southeast Asia, whose people were no longer prepared to acquiesce in colonial rule. In Myanmar, the Anti-Fascist People's Freedom League, the Burmese Communist Party and parties based on ethnic minorities campaigned for independence and struggled with each other for dominance. In January 1947, Aung San led an anti-fascist People's Freedom League delegation to London and negotiated the election of a constituent assembly to prepare a constitution for an independent Myanmar. In April 1947, the anti-fascist People's Freedom League won the election handsomely, but in July, Aung San and six of his cabinet were assassinated by political rivals. The assassinations created a national martyr, but made it even more difficult for Myanmar to create a consensus on the structure of the independent state. Aung San was replaced by his deputy, U Nu, and the League led Myanmar into independence on 4 January 1948. The Union of Burma was constructed as a federal state composed of the large Burmese area and four upland states, home to the ethnic minorities. Though these states were promised a great deal of autonomy, 
power was quickly concentrated in the central government. The failure of the federal system and the concentration of power in Yangon have been a major cause of the instability Myanmar has suffered since 1948. Shortly after independence was declared, the Burmese Communist Party and the Karen Nationalist Movement launched insurrections which continue through to today. Though in recent years there have been some conciliatory moves by Yangon to accommodate the rebels and the scale of the fighting has, temporarily at least, been reduced. The cause of the insurrection remains. Many of the minorities see an independent Myanmar as a Burmese state. The army, the police and the apparatus of government are controlled by the Burmese. The substantial ethnic minorities fear absorption and the consequent disappearance of their separate and distinct cultural identities. Myanmar was a democratic state between 1948 and 1962. Governments were elected, accepted, the need to operate within the limits of the constitution, held national elections and abided by the results, and accepted decisions of the Supreme Court when it ruled against the government. Power was in the hands of the anti-fascist People's Freedom League, which drew on the name of Aung San to bolster its support. There was a 16-month period of military rule between 1958 and 1960, but General Nguyen abided by the constitution and fulfilled an undertaking to hold elections in 1960. Though the political party favoured by the military did not win the elections, the military accepted the decision and returned to the barracks. The failings of the democratic period were critical. The declining economy and the emphasis on the Burmeseness of Myanmar were the prime causes of regional insurrections and social unrest in both urban and rural areas. All efforts to create a social consensus on the kind of society that should be created failed. Corruption became rampant as inflation ate away remorselessly at civil servant salaries, forcing them to resort to illegal impositions in order to survive. In March 1962, a military coup led by General Nguyen overthrew the elected government of Unu, ushering in a period of military rule that has lasted more than 40 years. The ostensible reason for the coup was the military's fear that Unu's government would allow the Shan and other ethnic minorities to secede from Myanmar. Many Burmese cautiously welcomed the coup because it promised to put an end to the corruption, instability, inflation and social unrest of the previous decade and a half. The coup leaders arrested political and ethnic minority leaders, closed down the parliament and demolished the federal structure. Opposition from Yangon students and from Burmese monks was ruthlessly suppressed. The country was ruled by a revolutionary council comprised entirely of military officials loyal to General Nguyen. The military created its own political party, the Burmese Socialist Program Party, as the only legal party in the country and described its ideology as the Burmese way to socialism. In 1974, a new constitution was put into effect, creating the Socialist Republic of the Union of Burma. An elected parliament was formed, but only one candidate was allowed to stand for each constituency, and that candidate had to be approved by the Burma Socialist Programme Party. 
The leaders of the coup argued that the army was the only cohesive and disciplined organisation capable of providing the strong leadership needed to overcome the social chaos that prevailed. They were fiercely anti-foreign and determined to rid Myanmar of all vestiges of colonialism by refocusing on Burmese culture, language, tradition and religion. Like the royal elite that had ruled Myanmar in the 1800s, they were, and to a certain extent remain, an inward-looking elite, suspicious of its immediate neighbours and determined to keep out political, cultural and economic influences to a minimum. The new regime moved quickly to eliminate the predominantly Indian and Chinese business class, seeing state socialism as the only way to deliver economic independence to the country. The westernised, often Anglo-Burmese elite, that had run the country under colonial rule and through the 1950s, fled the country along with the Indian and Chinese communities. In the 1990s, they were followed by the Muslim minority known as the Rohingya, on the western border with Bangladesh, who too became a target for a government intent on removing all non-Burmese elements from society. Nguyen's military government was even less successful in developing the economy than the democratically elected governments before it. Indeed, the economy worsened acutely under military rule, with the expulsion of the Indians and Pakistanis, the prohibition on foreign investment, and the efforts of the one-party state to impose a command economy. In 1987, the United Nations gave Myanmar least developed nation status, recognising it as one of the world's ten poorest countries. Estimates of per capita income vary, and even official statistics are difficult to obtain, as the government has released few figures pertaining to the country's financial and social conditions since 1999. There are, however, two economies, the legal, largely state-controlled economy, now in the process of being liberalised under the new NLD government installed in early 2016, and the black market economy. It is estimated that illegal trade in Myanmar is three times the official trade, and that the total non-drug illegal trade makes up about 40% of GNP. The illegal trade filters through Myanmar's poorest borders with China, Thailand, Bangladesh and India. The illegal drug trade would add considerably to the black market figures as the Golden Triangle, centred on Myanmar, is the world's major opium producer. The military elite, which on assuming power in 1962, spoke much of the need to combat corruption, is one of the main beneficiaries of the black market. It is directly involved as broker and rentier, raking off a percentage of the money made from that trade. In 2006, the global organisation that monitors corruption, Transparency International, listed Myanmar as the world's second most corrupt country after Haiti. I'll stop reading now and I'll continue in the next podcast with some of the balance of the chapter. Thank you for listening.